0: Good evening. How you guys doing? All right. Cool. Well, welcome to Genesis. Uh, my name is Mike and uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Genesis, and I'm so glad that you joined us tonight. We don't take it lightly that you chose to spend your, your Tuesday night here. and so I'm excited to be here. At Genesis, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you walked through the door tonight that you felt welcomed, that you felt comfortable and invited, and I want you to know that you've been prayed and prepared for. And so I also hope that you, uh, that you came tonight with an open heart, one that is expectant, one, one that is uh, expectant to hear, hear from God and hear from his word, and, and one that is uh, expectant to believe that you will have an experience with God when you come here on a Tuesday. And so I'm excited to be here as always. And I mentioned this last week, but I just wanted to—I feel it necessary to say one more time. But my wife and I are having a baby, and uh, yeah, so that's exciting. We actually—we actually, we actually got—I uh, guess—I guess as ready as we can be this weekend. We finally got his room done and put his car seat in my car, which is kind of crazy to drive around with a car seat in your back seat. But so I feel like I can make make dad jokes now. But I. That's really no different than like the normal jokes that I make, so I guess it just makes sense, makes more sense now. But uh, so with that, with that said, when we have the baby this month, we're this is baby month for us, and so whenever he comes, I plan on taking two weeks off. And so if you show up on a Tuesday and somebody else is speaking, that's why I just don't want you to come and uh, and feel out of the loop or not sure what was going on. So that's that's the plan. So tonight we are beginning a new series called Hint of Heaven. Hint of heaven. And so throughout the month of October, we'll be discussing different miracles that Jesus performed while he was on earth. And we'll see how a miracle is not just a thing of the past, but something that we can still experience today in the way that God intervenes and the way God moves and works in our life. And we're going to see how miracles are a hint of heaven, that they are a small picture of what is to come. Picture if I stood up here with a brick of gold in my hand, which would be pretty cool and then we all took a trip to Fort Knox, and we got to open the vault. Or, for, for example, you Google image a picture of the Eiffel Tower, and then we go to Paris. Or we listen to your favorite band on the radio, and then we get to see them live, okay? So, a miracle is a small piece of the full picture of the power of God. It is just a taste. It's just a hint that we get to lay eyes on here on earth, and then one day in heaven, we get the full experience. And so, a miracle is a hint of heaven here on earth. And so, when preparing for this series, I went through the four gospel accounts Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I made a list of every miracle that Jesus performed, and I used that to, to decide which miracle I wanted to, uh, miracles I wanted to talk about throughout the month to kind of to, to whittle it down. And what I found is something that will be a theme throughout this series, And I found that every miracle consists, consists of two things. Every miracle has two things in common: Jesus and a problem. Every miracle consists of two things, Jesus and a problem. Which side of the equation do you think we're usually on? The problem side, exactly. And so when we have our problems and then Jesus gets involved, he's always going to do something in us or around us, that he is able to heal, fix, solve, and satisfy every problem that we may have. But at the same time, he often wants to build our character and increase our Christ-likeness and weed out things in our heart that don't belong there. And all of that fits under the umbrella of a miracle. And so it's a touch of Jesus, it's a hint of heaven. And so whether Jesus decides in a situation to fix me or fix the circumstance, either way, we can consider that, that uh, the fact that, that no matter what we walk through, nothing is wasted in the eyes of God. And so tonight as we begin this series, I, wanna, I want you to begin thinking about something, and this will kind of bring you into the discussion tonight. It's true that oftentimes in our life, we tend to believe the truth of our circumstances more than we believe the truth about God. And so one of the biggest struggles in, any, in the life of any 18 to 20-something-year-old is the struggle of finding out what to do with your life. I don't, can anybody relate to that? Trying to find some direction, trying to find some vision for your life. We've all got those struggles. And I hear, the, I hear these concerns all the time. I need, I need vision for my life. I need to find God's will. I need God to tell me what he wants me to do. I need direction and usually that concern is magnified when when we see these like surface level problems arise. And so our, our, our long-term ambitions and like our frustrations with those get agitated when we have short-term problems. And so, like, for example, our health or our relationships or our school, we or, or our grades, or our workload, or, or or anything like that, when we when we when we begin to have problems with those, it seems that we just kind of throw the, throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, like, oh, I made a bad grade on this test. My life's worthless. My life's over. I'm never gonna be able to come back from this. I'm never gonna, you know, we think it's like this trickle effect and it just gets magnified. Well, uh, but the thing is about that, and, he, and here's the thing, the, 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 the matter of the fact is those concerns that you have are probably legitimate, that they are very, very real. And so maybe what you need to do tonight in your mind before we get too deep into this is to face the facts, To to tell yourself, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm feeling. This is my current reality. This is my problem. And what we're gonna find out tonight is what happens when you invite Jesus into that equation. So let me take a moment and pray, and then we'll jump into scripture for tonight. God, I thank you so much for gathering us here today, uh, trying to uh, glorify you tonight. God, that is the target on the wall. And so God, I pray tonight that we would not fall short of that goal, But God, I pray that tonight that you would be with us, that you would speak from your word tonight, and God, that we would leave here different than when we walked in. And so, God, I pray that your will would be done tonight in Genesis as it is in heaven. And God, I pray that your voice would speak louder than my own. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right, so if you would, go ahead and turn to Matthew 15. And while you're doing that, while you're turning to Matthew 15, I'm going to give you some context to what's going on. So at this point in the life of Jesus, he's been doing what... I refer to as the three Ps. He's been preaching, he's been prophesying, and he's been performing miracles. And at the time, he had been in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas, and, and what was what was going on? He was having a hard time convincing the Jewish people that he was, in fact, the Messiah, that he was who he said he was. And so right before we get to our story tonight, Jesus has been hanging out in a place called Genesaret, and he has done one of my favorite things that, he, that Jesus did, does in his life. He just verbally owns some Pharisees. And, uh, and so he's having trouble convincing Jews that he's the son of God. He just had this mic drop moment with the religious folks. And now he is leaving that area to go to a different place. And that's where we'll pick up the story tonight. So this is Matthew 15, 21 through 23. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. So we see that he travels to this district, district of Tyre and Sidon, which was a Canaanite non-Jewish Gentile era, which is important for tonight. It was known in the Old Testament as a pretty bad place, but just know for tonight that it was a non-Jewish region. And so that's important because at the time, people of Israel and then the people of Canaan didn't mix. They didn't mix. They had this long history of conflict. We've talked about that in the last couple of months. So they had this long ancient rivalry, and here is Jewish Jesus taking a trip into Canaanite country, Okay. And what we see is this Canaanite woman come onto the scene and she's crying. The makeup's smeared, the eyes are puffy, she's having a rough day, she's got a lot going on, and she's crying out to get the attention of Jesus. She says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And so what we have here is this Gentile, Canaanite, non-Jewish woman crying out to Jesus and referring to him as Lord and son of David. And so for whatever reason, the Jewish people back home were having a tough time believing that Jesus was God, and here is this Gentile woman who, by all intents and purposes, should be the least likely to believe, referring to Jesus as God. And she asked him for mercy, because her daughter was severely oppressed by a demon. And notice that it says that her daughter was oppressed, not possessed. In the life of Jesus, he had many situations where he encountered someone that was possessed, but this, this little girl, this daughter was oppressed, which likely meant that she was dealing with a severe medical condition, mentally or physically. It could have been paralysis, insanity, blindness, epilepsy, etc. And in those times, they believed that a demon was the cause of that condition. And so when she cries out to Jesus, Jesus doesn't reply, he doesn't answer. And instead, the disciples speak up and they tell Jesus, send her away, for she is crying out after us. And we don't know why they said that, but they either wanted Jesus to just go ahead and heal the daughter so they could move on or to just ignore her completely so that they could continue about where they were going. Either way, it's clear that they wanted her to leave, to stop making a scene, to stop crying. And so let's keep reading and see what Jesus does. And all that's gonna set the stage for what's about to happen. So this is Matthew 15, 24 to 26. He answered, Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And so what we, hear, what, we see here, what we see here is Jesus finally speaking up. And he says that he was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And the woman was not to be deterred. She says again, Lord, help me. And Jesus responds by saying, it is not right to take what belongs to the children and throw it to the dogs. And these verses, they beg two questions for us tonight that I want to address. And the first, the first is this, why, why did Jesus hesitate? This doesn't seem like something Jesus would do to say, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs or, 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 or completely ignore her like he did at first. It doesn't seem like Jesus. Well, when he says this, when he says that it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. I'm only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. When he says this, in other words, he's saying, listen, you're not Jewish. And the problem is I was sent to, a, to, to minister to the, to the Jewish people to fulfill the Jewish religion. And I'm just not as concerned with people outside of that. And what he would do later at the cross and, and then in his resurrection would swing open the door for all people, regardless of, of race, nationality, ethnicity, Red, brown, yellow, black, and white, they are all precious in his sight. And so the answer is that Jesus was sent primarily to minister to the Jews. And then what he would later do is send the disciples to, to give the message to everybody else, the Gentiles. And so, but but the, thing, the problem was that that time hadn't come yet. Time hadn't come yet. So Jesus says, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. In other words, it's not right to take what belongs to Israel and give it to Canaan. The second question I have is, why a dog? Why does he compare it to a dog? In biblical times, dogs were, were treated much differently than, than they are today, and dogs are treated much differently in America than they are other places. In America, you could go to the grocery store and see a chihuahua sitting in a purse with sunglasses on after they just got their nails painted. In America, you can make an appointment for your dog to get a bath, a haircut, a home-cooked meal, and a massage all in the same day. In America, you can buy gluten-free dog food, diamond-studded collars, and pajamas for your dog. In other countries, especially less developed countries, it is much different. Dogs starve they're scavengers, they're ownerless, they roam, they get fleas and mange. And so when Jesus said this, he's saying, I'm not wasting what's for the children on something lowly like a dog. And it seems that Jesus was curious to see how perseverant this woman would be. She'd already acknowledged Jesus as God, but how strong was her faith really? Would this cause her to give up? Let's keep reading and see what she says. It's Matthew 15:27. Jesus just said, it's not right to take what Belongs to the children and throw it to the dogs. So she said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She said, yeah, you're right. You're right. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. Man, what an amazing response. This is her acknowledging her current reality. This is her acknowledging that that this is where I'm at. This is my situation. This is my problem. I know I'm a Canaanite and I know I have no right to what belongs to the Jews, but I believe that being a lowly dog in the presence of God is better than being not there at all. And so if being a dog is what it takes, then let me be a dog. All I want is some crumbs. All I want is a taste. All I want is a hint of what you can offer me. A small portion of you, is enough to handle my big situation. What if we responded to our current reality like this woman? To say, yes, I, I, I realize I'm broken. I realize what I'm walking through. I realize that I'm stressed and I'm struggling. But all I need is a hint of heaven. All I need is Jesus, that even the smallest touch of Jesus is enough to handle my biggest situation. All I need to do to see a miracle is to bring Jesus into my problems and then see what he does either in me or in my circumstance. Let's keep reading and see how Jesus responds. This is Matthew 15, 28. She said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, "O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly so what we see here is that the faith of the woman withstood the test of Jesus. So he goes from earlier, from saying earlier, it is not right, to now saying, great is your faith. And her daughter was healed instantly. It wasn't right, but Jesus did it anyway. And this is such a picture of what Jesus would do in his life, death, and resurrection. That in human eyes, it wasn't right that he came to earth lived a perfect life, and died a criminal's death. It wasn't right because that death belonged to us. In many ways, Jesus was in the business of doing what wasn't right and then doing it anyway. That it's not right for someone to die for an undeserving soul, but Jesus did it anyway. It's not right for someone to forego their righteousness so a sinner could have it, but Jesus did it anyway. It's not right for someone to leave their throne for a rebellious race, but Jesus did it anyway. It is not right for someone to bear burdens that didn't belong to them or cancel debts with their own life or for someone to raise from the dead or for someone to love the unlovable or forgive the unfor- unforgivable, but Jesus did it anyway. Jesus is in the business of doing things we wouldn't see as right and then doing them anyway. And here's the thing about this woman. She didn't think much of herself and light of Jesus. She starts the conversation, one, asking for mercy. That's a pretty low place to be. They say, I'm completely at your mercy. Then asking for help, it's a pretty humble place to be. She said, Lord, help me. And then calling herself lowly, outcast, a bottom priority, a dog. And then even the disciples didn't want her around. They said, Jesus, can you just go ahead and do something so she'll leave? She's making a scene. She's crying. We need to stop her, stop her crying. I love that in the story, the only positive thing this woman heard about herself was from Jesus. He said, great is your faith. What she believed about God had conquered what she believed about herself. The same is true for you tonight. What you believe about God will conquer what you believe about yourself. And you may think, oh, I'm just, I'm just this, I'm just that, I'm just 19, or I'm just average, or I don't have what it takes, or I have no vision for my life, I've, I've just got no direction, I, I'm just average, I'm nobody special, I'm just a lowly dog. If you feel that way, you need to tell yourself, I may, I may be just a lowly dog, but I know who God is, and I know what he's done for me, and I choose to believe in that more than what I say about myself. She ignored what the disciples said and she waited to hear from Jesus. And so you might need to do that in your life to forget what people around you say and hear from Jesus himself. Because sometimes the only positive things you're going to hear about yourself come straight from God. And so you need to have your your repertoire ready. that when those negative thoughts come or those negative words come, you need to fight back with truth from the word of God to tell yourself, I'm a child of God. Fearfully and wonderfully made in his image, temple of the Holy Spirit, God's special possession, welcomed and loved by the God of the universe. And I'm not going to let my mind or anybody else tell me otherwise. Let me make it clear for you tonight. Sometimes it is okay to face the facts in your life, even if they are negative there are some things that we think about ourselves or that we, there's some thoughts in our head that we manifest in our mind that are not true. And then there are things that people say about us that are not true. But then we also face circumstances that are very real and very true. And so it is okay to face the facts sometimes. It's okay to admit yourself, admit to yourself, I have a problem. I need, I need direction. I'm in a rut. I need help. This woman was very upfront with that. And so remember what we said from the very beginning, every miracle consists of what? Jesus and a problem, Jesus and a problem. And so the issue with facing the facts of our life is that we often leave Jesus out of the equation. We face the facts, we say, this is where I'm at, this is what I'm dealing with, this is my circumstance, and then we just leave it. We never invite Jesus in. And so if we leave it there, all we're left with is our problems. I'll tell you tonight, you will not see breakthrough. You will not see a light at the end of the tunnel. You will not see a miracle if you continue to leave Jesus out of your life, out of your situation, and out of your circumstances. Because here's the truth for you tonight. Even the facts of your life are subject to God. This woman, let her faith in God conquer the facts of her life. And so you need to let your faith in God conquer the facts of your life that faith is the one thing greater than the facts. And the facts may be telling me one thing, but my faith is telling me something else. The facts may be, may be telling me to worry or telling me to be depressed or to be anxious or to be doubtful, but my faith is telling me to have trust in God, to have peace. And this lady, this lady was a Canaanite. Fact. Her daughter had a, had a condition. Fact she had faith. We may need direction. Fact. We may be broken. Fact. We may have struggles. Fact. We may be overwhelmed in life. Fact. But we can have faith. Faith is greater than the facts. And so in your situation, whatever it is you are facing, I'm going to ask you tonight, which one are you facing? Which one are you focusing on the most? The facts or your faith? Your situation or your God? Tonight, whatever it is that you came in here dealing with, the problem, the struggle, the difficulty, I would encourage you tonight to invite Jesus into the equation. Invite Jesus into your situation and your circumstance. It's very likely you've been trying to handle whatever it is on your own for too long. If you wanna see a hint of heaven, if you wanna see breakthrough, invite Jesus into your problem. Because every miracle consists of what? Jesus, and a problem. Our faith in him is greater than the facts. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for the truth that there are so many things that you did for us that were not right, but you did it anyway. It wasn't right to throw what belonged to Israel to Canaan, but you did it anyway. So God, maybe tonight we find ourselves as a bunch of lowly dogs asking for some crumbs from the master's table. So God, I pray that you would meet us here tonight. God, all we want is a hint of heaven. All we need is a small taste of what you can offer us because the smallest touch of Jesus is enough to handle our biggest situation. And so God, whether we may be facing issues with our health, issues with our relationships, relationships, issues with our schoolwork or our job or our home life or whatever it may be, God, we wanna take our problem, we wanna face the facts tonight but not leave you out of it. We want to invite you in. Pray that you would have your way. And we would see a miracle, either in us, through us, or around us. In Jesus' name, amen.